When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. Hi, I'm Rob Vanstone. Welcome to the Weekly Rider Rumblings video podcast. I'm here as usual with uh, my good friend, Marie McCormick, and we have a special guest this week. We're very delighted and honored to have with us Eddie Steele, a uh, former Rough Rider defensive lineman, former Edmonton defensive lineman. We figured it was very, very timely to have Eddie with us, being that the Rough Riders are coming off Friday's 19-17 to victory over the Edmonton almost at Eskimos, Elks, <laughs> and these teams uh, play one another again Saturday at 3 o'clock at uh, Mosaic Stadium. And uh, Eddie's always been uh, awesome, so we're very happy to have him with us. Thanks so much, Eddie, for joining us. I really appreciate you guys uh, inviting me on here with you guys just to chat about some things, and this is an awesome opportunity. Well, you've reminded us that we neither of us owns a suit that's nearly as presentable <laughs> as yours. So we're suitably shamed. <laughs> <laughs> it's not suit, insuitably. I like uh, the knot. That's a nice big knot. I like those ones. Wish I yeah, could tie yeah. it like that. Big guy, big knot. <laughs> <laughs> that that's a that's an art that I never mastered. My uh, my late stepfather tied my tie for me in 1996, and it remained tied by him uh, even after his death. It uh, I wore it. I, in fact, I wore the tie that uh, he tied for me at his at his funeral in honor of him, and it's still hanging on a doorknob somewhere. So I I admire the uh, the artistry of your knot there. It's pretty impressive. It's such a sad. It's such a true story that it's sad and uplifting in the same way. <laughs> so maybe <laughs> it, it is. Well, it is. Well, maybe that maybe that's a description of, of of Friday's game. In some ways, it was sad if you're a Rough Riders fan because you see the Rough Riders lead 19 to three and then flirt with a loss. Uplifting in the fact that they've won three games in a row, all on the road, and uh, they're now their magic number number is one to clinch a home playoff game. Eddie, from watching uh, that game last Friday, what what's your take on it? Well, you know. I'm going to speak on it from the Elks point of view. Uh, we all know, you know, everything that's gone on around here throughout the season. It's been uh, quite a tumultuous season out here. And uh, I think they played all right. They had a couple of good sparks on offense. Their quarterback looked fairly comfortable as the game went on. But, yeah, you're right. You nailed it. The Riders, they were up big. And uh, they did flirt with uh, a potential loss. But they ended up pulling it out in the end. And uh, I think the Riders have a, a good team this year. They're playing some good football right now. They've won three games in a row. Uh, you mentioned they need one game to clinch home field or a home field playoff game. And uh, I think they'll do that this weekend when they see the Elks again. Eddie, when you were a player and you won a game that maybe wasn't an artistic success or maybe just eked out a victory over a team that that wasn't necessarily – comparable to the team on which you played how did you process that as a player uh was it did was it the a win is a win mindset or did uh, were there some of the same concerns perhaps that rough riders fans have been raising 
uh, arising from uh, Friday's game against Edmonton? Yeah, I mean, it, it's all dependent on how the season is going. So if you're losing or you're winning a lot of these tight games and you're not playing very good football, well, then, yeah, there's going to be things that you need to clean up and you're not always going to be happy. But as the old saying goes, they don't ask how, they ask how many. And it's all about getting the win. And it doesn't matter if it's by one point, if it's by 30 points, a win is a win. On to the next week. Yeah, I wonder, and from my standpoint as a reporter, we're watching the Riders desperately trying to hang on to that lead, trying their hardest. What's it like as a player? Do you feel when they, their team's coming back that, do you feel that kind of momentum? And does it? And how do you react to something like that? Yeah, you really do, Murray. You feel that momentum. And I've been on both sides of the coin uh, in terms of getting that, being the team where you're down and you're starting to gain that momentum and being up big and losing that momentum. And uh, you don't want to use the word panic, but there is a sense of uh, extra urgency, especially when you're the team on top and you're feeling it um, being clawed away from your grips, uh, that you want to try and do more. But then that's when issues arises when, in a fo- as a football player, you're trying to do too much. And you're trying to go beyond your means and out of your realm. Uh, so, for example, being a defensive tackle, uh, instead of focusing on my job, now I'm trying to do what the defensive end is supposed to do as well, and boom, you end up getting gashed even more. So uh, it's it's a fine line. Uh, I've been on a team in Edmonton <laughs> back when uh, it was back in 2016. We were up uh, 31 to three against Hamilton, and the game was over. Like there was a, a concert because you know Edmonton's notorious yeah. for doing concerts at halftime. There was a concert at halftime, and half the locker room was going out and filming the concert with their iPhones and stuff. <laughs> Guys, they were not focused, you know, because you're up 31 to 3 at half. The game should be over. Hamilton came back, and they beat us 35 31. And that yeah. Mazzoli went like 23 of 23 at one point in that game. So I, I've been on both sides of the coin, and it's, it's tough. I'll tell you what, it's a lot better when you lose the game, when, or sorry, when you win a game when you're up by that much as opposed to being up by that much and losing, because that really hurts and that really stings, and then guys really start pointing the fingers in the locker room. Because I could only imagine what would have happened around here had the Riders lost that game. And you and I have been around long enough, and you've seen the Riders go into Edmonton and lose games they should win. And I just I just think it would have been bananas around here, especially the way things went. So fortunately, it keeps it, things kind of cooler here, but it's still... There's still concerns because like Rob and I have been talking about this almost ad nauseum for the whole season. It was a typical rider game, slow start to the offense, defense rallies, comes up big, and they hang on for a win against another with against an opponent who we don't think is really up to the riders level. I think we can no. say that. So it was uh but it was exciting kind of fun to watch, I guess, but not in Riderville if they'd lost. So good point for the riders to win. Yeah. If you're an Elks fan, it's fun to watch because they finally were competitive because it, yeah. it's been so bad here all season. They hadn't won a home game all year, and they still haven't won a home game, and they're not going to this year. And we all know, again, been around long enough, the rich history and tradition surrounding this organization. And, yeah, it's uh, it's been tough, tough cooking out here this season. Yeah. Eddie, I mean, this might be a question that could exhaust the remainder of our time uh, today <laughs> and might, might be worth a book. But what has gone wrong in Edmonton this year? <laughs> well, you know, there's, 
there's a lot of moving parts to that. And uh, I'll give you a, a good solid four or five things that, in my opinion, uh, are some of the, the root issues with the organization. So it's uh, been well documented, everything that happened with me and being on, with the radio station and getting fired for pointing the finger at the general manager. But you look at what he's done with that organization. He took over a team that was an Ed Hervey-shaped team. His first year, they went 12-6. and six. This is his second year as the general manager. Now he's got his fingerprints a little more on the team. They went 10-8. Uh, and eight. Uh, His third year, which would have been 2019, last time there was football, he went nine and nine, and then this year he has gone there two and ten, I believe, at this point. So they've gotten worse every year under him. So I don't know if it's a lack of talent, a lack of creating a, a proper team with the team culture that is required to be successful in the CFL, but just the on-field product alone, they've gotten worse under their G, their current GM. But then you look outside of the football field and. The on-field product, is, that should be enough to get your a finger pointed at you because this is pro football. We're in a business of winning. But then it goes beyond that. And organizationally, they've had so many blunders and issues. They're the only team who has had a COVID outbreak uh, this season in the CFL. Uh, they've gone through their special teams has been notoriously bad this year. And they've gone, they're on their third special teams coordinator. So they fired two of them throughout the season. Um, the issues uh, with contracts and, you know, I understand how contracts are. I get the business of football. I've been cut. I've been signed to good contracts. I, I totally get it. But how some of the negotiations and contract situations have been handled uh, just aren't professional at all, in my opinion. Dwayne Mandrusiak, their equipment manager, they unceremoniously fire him, uh, not allowing him to be there for his 50th season, which probably would have done for free just in order to hit that milestone. The Joey Moss story, uh, and I can speak to that because I know firsthand how some of the things went down with that. That's just another blunder. Uh, speaking to a ton of season ticket holders, and I actually was just speaking to a couple this morning, who literally refused to go to the game this past weekend because they're just tired of it. They haven't treated their season ticket fan base very appropriately throughout uh, the past season and a half or year and a half of football or year and a half of uh, time that's gone by uh, just throughout COVID and whatnot. So there's been a lot of different issues surrounding this organization that no other teams are dealing with. And again, it goes beyond the field of play. The on-field product, in itself is enough to have the finger pointed at you, but then all the other issues as well. Thank goodness for Connor McDavid. My goodness. <laughs> <laughs> well, it's funny, Rob, you should mention that. I was thinking watching that game on Friday night, the, how, the, how sparse the crowd was. There was a time you could have an Oilers game and an Eskimos game at the same time and get a good crowd for the Eskimos game and get a sellout crowd. I was thinking that's how much things have changed in my mind that Edmonton's the football team's in about it's not the number one product in that city anymore. And that's grow we're old enough, we keep saying that, to remember when it was the number one team in the country. There was nothing. It was the city of champions. I remember covering yeah. getting to go cover a game at Commonwealth Stadium for the, my first time on the beat and just being so excited about having that opportunity to see that beautiful facility and then watching what was happening on Friday night away from the field was kind of uh, disappointing and frustrating to see that happen. And I know we're kind of talking ours, but Boy, how do they bounce back? 
Like, how do you come back from all those things? You just like went on for five minutes of holy smokes. That's a, that's what it sound like the Eskimos. That's like the riders from the nineties, Rob. <laughs> yeah. yeah, we've we've heard that before, but uh, not not coming not emanating from Edmonton. <laughs> <laughs> You know, like, how did they bounce back? I, I'm not one to sit on a pedestal and call for a guy's head. That's not my intention. Uh, that was never my intention when I initially spoke out. Uh, my intention was to bring the awareness to some of the issues that is plaguing this franchise. Because, as you mentioned, Murray, the history and the tradition, like, this is not what we're accustomed to with this organization a lot of people, uh, especially on Twitter, you know, we, as a news guy, you understand how Twitter works and there's a lot of public opinion. And the vast majority of people that I'm seeing are wanting uh, the GM to be fired. Uh, and I believe there doesn't do there needs to be a change. But I don't know if that's even going to happen because now they've signed Nick Arbuckle, who hasn't yeah. even played a game to an extension. So that in itself, if you read. Uh, the broader picture of it, that probably is um, a signal that the GM is going to be back, like there's a little security there, or else why would the board of directors uh, sign off on letting him give a quarterback who hasn't even stepped on field yet an extension? And that's even a head-scratching decision. You haven't even seen this guy in a game, yeah. and he has an extension. It, it just It's weird. It just doesn't make sense. You don't do that typically. We're going to take a quick break, and we will be right back with uh, more Eddie Steele. And Murray and I um, are not really doing much except uh, absorbing the wisdom that we're hearing (laughs) today. Uh, Just uh, one brief pause, and we'll be right back. We are back on Rider Rumblings. Uh, Eddie Steele is with us. Murray is here, too. Sorry to make you feel like such an appendage, Murray. Uh, (laughs) We got such a great guest this week. week, We're just going to milk it. What's your perception of the riders, Eddie? I mean, given that you made a living uh, playing on the on the defensive line, who better to assess what has been a very good rough rider defensive line and a, perhaps a shaky rough rider offensive line? What we what's your assessment of this team as you look at the look at it in the trenches? You know, in the trenches, you nailed it. I mean, their defensive line is playing some good football. Uh, everybody wants to look at uh, Micah Johnson and look at numbers and think, oh, he's not producing. But he has a tough job down there eating up double teams, triple teams on the regular. Uh, they're getting good production out of some of their younger guys. Uh, A.C. Leonard, he's having a heck of a season, too. Uh, my my guy, Mac Henry, I'm always just so proud and so happy for him just to see the growth and the progress uh, in him, not just as a football player, but as a man. Uh, what he's doing in the community there, it's pretty special. And if you know anything about his background, it's pretty remarkable to see how far he's come as a man. So always proud of him. Offensive line, uh, it is, we all know it's it's pretty holy. There's, there's, been, there's been some struggles. I thought initially uh, Logan Furlan, he, he showed really well uh, early in the season. But, you know, it's a long season, first year pro ball. Uh, Big step coming from junior. I think overall he's had a pretty decent season, but there's been some issues there on his end. Dan Clark, he's been pretty solid anchor, uh, typical Dan Clark style. But uh, the tackles, the the tackles have been a big problem for the Riders this season. And uh, you know, missing a guy like Brendan Labatt, even though he's getting long in the tooth, uh, that's a, a serious veteran presence. 
and I have nothing but respect for him. We've been banging heads since he was at U of R and I was at U of M. (laughs) Great, great dude, great player, but you miss a guy like that, even if he is older, even if he does miss games. And I think that just the presence, because he is a leader. As you guys know, when I was uh, in Saskatchewan, I was the sixth offensive lineman for some games, which is Chris Jones' crazy crazy ideas (laughs) so i'd be in those offensive line meetings and he has a presence you know when he speaks guys listen and you take a guy like that out of the locker room that's going to impact things i don't care what you say it's going to have an impact can they fix it is there enough time and are they just got to find a way to limp through this season and get wherever as far as they can with the offensive line they've got yeah i think they're more in a situation where you just got to make do with what you have there's not a whole lot of fixing. It's not like guys are just going to be reincarnated. You only got the bodies that you have in that locker room. So uh, I think you just got to make do with the play calling, uh, quicker throws. Cody, uh, I'll be honest with you guys. Cody, really, he shocked me in 2019. Uh, traditionally, I've known Cody to be a third string short yardage quarterback. And when he came out in 2019 and had the season that he had, I was shocked. I wasn't totally in belief of it. I wanted to see more of it. And I think throughout this season, we've seen a different Cody Fajardo. He's played good football, but he hasn't been this lights out all-star that he was in 2019 because teams now have a year of film under their belts. They get to see what he's about. You're not seeing him do that reverse pivot out of the pocket three times a game to make a big play because teams know that's his MO. So this is kind of the Cody Fajardo I anticipated going into this season. I didn't think it was going to be another magical year. And uh, it's kind of surprising, too, because Jason Moss, I'm a big fan of him as an offensive coordinator. He, he can call a really good game. So I, it's surprising to see Cody take the steps back as much as he has. But that's just the reality when it's pro football and you get another year of tape under your belt as a defender. You get to see what a guy's about. How what much of the, Eddie sorry, is the offensive line a factor yeah. there? I mean, in 2019, I mean, he didn't have Brendan Labatt for a lot of that year either, but there was Philip Blake and there was Darius Bladek and Taryn Vaughn was playing left tackle and, uh, and, and Dakota Shepley was part of the equation. They've lost some pretty big pieces uh, from an offensive line that was pretty reliable in 2019. How much do you have to factor in what uh, is or isn't protecting Cody when you assess his performance this year? Yeah, that's a great point. They did lose a a lot of veteran bodies uh, on that offensive line. But, you know, it's still we've seen a lot of games where uh, Cody just hasn't been uh, the same in terms of making some of the throws. We're seeing him uh, express himself a little more like in that (laughs) Calgary game. Uh, And that's just things that we hadn't seen uh, in 2019. But again, Yeah, it does begin and end with the offensive line. I am not sitting here blaming Cody. It does begin and end in the trenches. That's where football is won. You look at Winnipeg, since Mike O'Shea's been there, their offensive line has turned into just uh, a pack of pit bulls. They are some of the best offensive linemen and most physical that I've ever seen, hence why they're having the success that they're having. Uh, So the Riders, they, like Murray said, they're going to have to get through this and kind of limp to the end with the bodies that they have, because it's not like a guy just wakes up in week 14 and he's a different player. At this point, you are what you are. So it'll be interesting to see how they finish. Based on how the Elks finished on Friday, should we anticipate a better game 
a different game on on Saturday? What do you think will happen when they're when they're at Mosaic Stadium? Will they revert to being the Elks of that first half? Uh, I I think that they're going to come in with a little more confidence just because they got a little bit of momentum there towards the end of the game. But at the same time, being an opponent coming into Mosaic, good luck. Like it's a tough <laughs> place to play. The Riders always have a, a different swagger at home, especially once they get that crowd going. And uh, I think it's going to be uh, at least a two-score win for the Riders. Wow. What do you what do you make of Winnipeg? Can anybody beat Winnipeg except maybe Winnipeg if somehow something goes wrong internally there, or they get rusty or complacent? I mean, they and you mentioned their strength along the offensive line. Their defensive line is is just as ferocious. How does this not be a Winnipeg Blue Bomber coronation on December 12th in Hamilton? Yeah, the only uh, way Winnipeg doesn't win is if their kicker beats them or yeah. If, yeah. if Zach Caleros gets banged up. Because uh, ever since Zach Caleros has been there, their offense has been uh, in a different gear when he took over last year. And I've always been a big Zach Caleros fan. He had a tough year uh, in 2018 in Sask. But I've always been super high on Zach in his game. I've always thought he was a baller in the CFL. And uh, no depth behind him. That's the one kind of scary thing for Winnipeg. And he is, you know, somewhat injury prone. He's been healthy and clean this year. But if something happened, I think things might go off the rail. But, again, they have such a strong offensive line that they can really lean into their running game and um, they can do some good play actions off of that. But, I don't see anybody beating Winnipeg barring those two things that I had mentioned. Their their trench game, their offensive and defensive linemen are just so, so good. And it's a mentality. And so many people, they talk about culture, the culture of a football team. I've heard that word used so much ever since things have really gone down negatively with the Elks out here, is what's wrong with the culture and the culture. And Mike O'Shea, he has done a phenomenal job at establishing a sort of culture in Winnipeg. Uh, it's very um, lot of, very similar to what he was as a football player. Gritty, tough, hard-nosed, you know, just a grinder, blue-collar. And that's exactly how Winnipeg plays football games. Wasn't there a time, though, the Riders faced a first-place team that looked unbeatable and went on to win a great cup recently, Rob? Remember well, that? well <laughs> recently in terms of geologic time, Eddie's too young. <laughs> yeah. But we remember 89. 1989, the Rough Riders were nine and nine. Edmonton was 16 and two. And Edmonton, those 16 victories are still a record for regular season victories in the Canadian Football League. Riders went into Edmonton and won 32 21, won the yeah. Grey Cup the following week against Hamilton. Uh, and there isn't as big a disparity, I think, arguably, between uh, the Rough Riders and Winnipeg this year as there would have been between Rough Riders and Edmonton in 2019. And football's a one-game showdown. Uh, you know, if if if, tw- if 1989 was a best of seven, Edmonton probably wins that four games to one. But it's a one-game showdown. And uh, is there that potential just because it does come down to one game, perhaps in unforgiving conditions that may lead to some strange bounces of the football? Can you factor in the unpredictability of a one-game showdown, and the weather. But what happens, too, I'm going to mention, though, it's only a three-quarter game against Winnipeg right now because what they're doing in the fourth quarter, you're a defensive player, six points, six points in the whole season. is crazy. Just, I can't, some things you don't think. 
so how do you how do you like Montreal on the weekend played with the bombers till the third quarter and then they got in the fourth quarter and you may as well have turned on another channel. It's like they have Mariano Rivera coming in in the fourth quarter. Yeah. It's, just, it's just it's over. You know, we talk about their kicking being such a concern, but boy, what they do in the fourth quarter kind of takes the kicking game out of it almost. So it's yeah, kind of, that's it's a great point. You know, it's unheard of what they're doing in the fourth quarter. But Rob, like you're right, football it's a one game yeah. showdown. And that's what I love about it is, you know, the reality is anybody can get beat on any given day. In Winnipeg, as good as they are, as physical and as dominant as they are, they can still get beat. There is no perfect team, you know. So that's your I love it. I, I love that. And that's the best thing about football playoffs. Is there an example to that effect from your career, a game that you look at or a team that you look at and think, how on earth are we going to beat that team? How on earth is that team vulnerable? But somehow the team that you're on uh, ends up winning. Or conversely, were you part of a team that everybody thought was invincible, yet somehow had that one bad day in a season full of good days? 2011 East semifinal, I was playing in Hamilton and uh, playing for Hamilton, and we were playing Montreal. Anthony Calvillo led Montreal team, and uh, Montreal was dominant in the late uh, 2000s, early uh, 2010 there. And um, he, uh, he, he was on top of his game. They had a potent offense. We ended up going into overtime, and we just won a shootout showdown against them in overtime, and we beat them 54-48. to 48. And it wow. was just uh, an epic win. Kevin Glenn was our quarterback at that point in time, and it was just a wild win, back-and-forth game. But we dethroned – well, I don't think Montreal had – I don't think they won in 20 who, who yep. did they win in 2010 yeah yeah, yeah. yeah bc so, won in 2011 yeah yeah so we dethroned montreal in uh in 2011 uh kicking them out of the playoffs so that was big and then we went into winnipeg and got our butts whooped pretty bad but <laughs> <laughs> and then uh and the uh other example you mentioned where if i've ever been up big and um that shocker of a loss in the playoffs not overly I can say in 20 there's two things 2016 in Edmonton we went out to Ottawa we were the crossover team uh, but I thought we were a better team than Ottawa and there was a ton of snow and then Keenan LaFrance he went crazy on us he ran for about 160 yards but 2017 again I really thought we were the better team I truly thought in 2017 we were going to go to the Grey Cup via the crossover Went out to Ottawa, beat Ottawa pretty good. And then Toronto, I mean, I thought for sure we would have beat Toronto. And we were up on Toronto pretty good. But then Ricky Ray on the third and five hit that wheel route to Wilder. And that was just an absolute backbreaker of a play. That was probably one of the uh, the most devastating plays I've ever experienced because I truly thought we were going to be the first team in CFL history to go to the Great Cup via the crossover because we were up on Toronto. Bridge played a decent game. But, yeah, that third and five, Ricky Ray, oh, wow. uh, it was meant to be. And then Cody Fajardo scores the winning touchdown. <laughs> what a <laughs> yeah. strange, strange, yeah. Business, strange business strange this is. World, exactly. I remember Christian Jones returned that punt for a touchdown late. And I thought, well, I'm going to be staying in Ontario for another week. Uh, Murray's staying in Ontario for yeah. another week. Uh, and we're not cheap to feed, so this may break post-media. Um, <laughs> and, uh, uh, and just, yeah, just they one stop. You kept the Rough Riders away from a Grey Cup. And with the way that was just trending, I, I wouldn't have been at all surprised to see the Riders win it all in, in 2017. It just 
one play can change so much. Yeah, one play, and that what a phenomenal play. Who other than Ricky Ray to make that play? You know, that's typical Ricky. Ray. Sam McGlovin was the linebacker on the coverage shooting, but go on to play in the NFL. Like you had your guy. Yeah, <laughs> exactly. Then he, and then he makes the great throw to Armani Edwards to get him down there for the for the touchdown. Yes. It just yeah. uh, oh, he's Ricky Ray. So just so calm with a game on the line, and that's 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 how fragile football is. You know. You, livelihoods are based upon one third and five play that can go in one direction or the other direction. And what a way to make a living. (laughs) You guys decide you're going to do that. Hey, Eddie, I'm going to throw this out there and I know it may be long before your time, but we lost a legend on the weekend and Angela Mosca. And for me growing up in Sudbury, I put it on Twitter. He was my favorite player. Absolutely favorite player. I used to watch him on stampede wrestling and I'm going to quickly tell a quick story. I finally got to cover a Tiger Cats game, a Ryder game in Hamilton. And I wanted to meet Angie Mosca. And I was so intimidated by this great man that I wouldn't go up and talk to him. And Steve Milton finally said, go talk to him. Go say hi. And I go say hi. And I shake his hand. And we talk. And he just was incredibly charming, funny, profane, too. He was he could use the F-bombs pretty well, the old guy. But I, I have to admit, and I'm going to say it. I was emotional when I read that on Saturday that he had died, that this this icon, this legend, and everything he's done. And I know as a, as a defensive lineman, I don't know if how, how familiar you're with, with Angie's career, Eddie, but maybe just some thoughts on that before we sign off or get close to. Absolutely. He was a legend. He was an absolute legend in the CFL. And um, being able to – sorry, am I with you guys? Uh, we, we hear you. We hear you, but I think your phone's up again. There we go. Sorry there we about go. that. That's no problem. All right. And uh, being drafted to Hamilton, you hear uh, all the, the history uh, behind who this icon was. And uh, I've met him a bunch of times because yeah. he would always hang around the field after practice, game days, things like that. He was, uh, he was a true um, superstar out there in yeah. Hamilton. And, you know, was well established in the community. And I'll be honest, I was sad, too. And it just brought back a flashback of memories uh, just from my, you know, 12 years ago when I was drafted and just being at the old Ivor Wynn and before <laughs> it became Tim Hortons Field and the wooden bleachers and it, the dugouts. It just brought back a flashback of memories from when I was a, a young puppy just getting into the league. And, you know, you just you reflect. Right. And it's it's pretty special when you're able to reflect on those types of memories and the people that you've met and encountered throughout life. So that's really what it did to me when I read that. It just brought me back to, to being that 21 year old kid and going to practice and just figuring out your way in life and how to, how to be a pro football player. And yeah, it was pretty emotional for me too. How perfect was it that a guy named Steele played in Hamilton? Yeah. I just want to throw it. Angie was an, an ordinary superstar. He yeah. never had any airs. He never thought he was anything more than he was. And yeah. you just, you know, it was just, I got to meet him many more times after that. And there was a little restaurant he used to eat at in downtown Toronto, Hamilton, too. He used to go to all the time. But I can't remember the name. So, anyway. Well, he was so just I wanted to get Angie. He was a perfect Hamilton guy. Not that he wasn't from Hamilton, but he was just the, almost the embodiment of Hamilton. He came to symbolize it. Someone asked me, how many times have you met a hero that's lived up to your expectations? And I thought to myself, holy smokes, that's not a lot. And I thought of George Reed and Ron Lancaster, or Ernie and Sam Richardson, two great curlers. And I got to meet Bobby Orr once to do a story. 
Nice. So those are, and they all lived up to my expectations. So that's, you know, the riders have, rider fans have George Reed and Ron Lancaster. The Tiger Cat fans have Angie Mosca, and he'll always be, mean so much to that franchise. And I know it's not riders, but I wanted to make sure we got a little tribute into Big Ange for all that, for sure. Yeah, deservedly. And his last game was against the Saskatchewan Rough Riders, the 1972 Grey Cup. They won it on the Ian Sunter field goal, 13 to 10, Ooh. and Angelo Mosk is holding the Grey Cup over his head wow. in December of 1972. Interesting parallel to 72. Last time a Grey Cup was in was in Hamilton in December, it was 1972. Last time the West Western Division final was in Winnipeg, it was 1972. Wow. Rough Riders went into Winnipeg, won 27-24, and then got to a Grey Cup in Hamilton. So maybe this is scripting itself nicely for the Rough Riders. And Rob only is the only guy I know who can remember and put all those details in clear manner. <laughs> so this is what I go through every week, Eddie. Is this just <laughs> amazing? I was gonna say, show me your notepad. <laughs> but I can't figure out how to do my taxes. <laughs> Eddie, it's been wonderful to have you with us. I, I really, really appreciate your time and 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 the fact that the the uh, sartorial respect that you've shown for our podcast by uh, completely outdressing ever, any other guests we've ever had or will ever have we're we're uh, we're really glad you could spend some time with us today yeah this is awesome I, I had a lot of fun again my apologies for a couple phone mishaps but thank you so much for inviting me on you should see the mishaps we have in weeks you aren't on uh, yeah. this was an absolute <laughs> unqualified success there's a reason why we're in print media. <laughs> yes. <laughs> and now I have to read our little disclaimer or whatever we call it at the end because uh, I am I will if I don't I will get sued by corporate. If you enjoy the podcast, please leave a review and a five star rating. Eddie deserves a six star rating. It helps us grow the podcast. You can subscribe to the show on Apple Podcasts, Google Podcasts, Spotify, Stitcher, or wherever you get your podcasts. Everybody says that for every podcast thingy. If you'd like to send us a question, you can email Rob at, at rvanstone at leaderpost. No, that's an old one. At rvanstone at postmedia.com and we'll read it on the show. You can follow me, Rob, on Twitter at Rob Vanstone or Murray at Murray LP. Eddie, is there somewhere people can follow you or get in touch with you if you if there's people who want to uh, get their in, get your insights firsthand? Yeah, probably best uh, platform would be Twitter. And uh, you could just type in my name, Eddie Steele, and it uh, should pop up right away. Pretty easy to find. I know we're supposed to end this, but I just want people going to wonder, what are you doing now, Eddie? Maybe just yeah, quickly... I'm, I'm in sales uh, with the chemical maintenance company. So I've been involved with the company actually for uh, quite a few years. Even when I was playing in the CFL in my off seasons, I would work the business uh, just preparing for the inevitable end of a career. So the transition would be a lot smoother for me. So I've been doing that. So I deal with um, different chemicals and products for uh, hospitals, public works, guys, road maintenance crews, arenas, all types of different facilities, school divisions. So, yeah, it's been uh, been pretty good. And I've been very fortunate to uh, maintain my my working throughout uh, this tough time that we've all experienced. All right. Thank you, Eddie. We really appreciate it. Rob said that already. We'll, we'll go back again. And uh, we'll chat again. Hey, we'll have to do this another time sometime. Not Maybe Look not this year it. again, though. <laughs> yeah, looking forward <laughs> to it. Thanks so much, Eddie. Thanks, Mur. Uh, thanks okay. to everyone for being with us this week. And we'll do this again uh, next week. It'll give, give Murray and I a week to try and find uh, more better clothing than we've, we're wearing this week. Uh, we're, we just look like slobs hey. compared to Eddie. It's very, very shaming. <laughs> Take care. Have a great week. <laughs>